Metalheads, welcome back to another week of Thunderdome Metal Review. Metal Reviews! <laughs> I am Ben Lindsay, and with me as always is Tracy Newport from Cloaca Metal Hammer Reviews. Cool. Good afternoon, good afternoon. And today we are looking at the Moors Principium Est, Embers of a Dying World. It is their sixth studio album, I do believe, with a runtime of 50 minutes and five seconds. The lineup for the band is Miko Sipola on drums, Timu Heinelin on bass. I probably misspelled that, or not misspelled it, mispronounced it. Rele Lujanin on vocals, and Andy Gillian on guitars. And then there are some. Special guest on Embers of a Dying World, which is the album we're talking about today. How are you, Tracy? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, been a fun little weekend. The missus has been away, so I've I've, uh, I've done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's worth it. It's, it's a good thing she doesn't listen to this, or you might be in trouble for doing nothing. Oh uh, no, and she what <laughs> she don't know. I could do it all before she gets home. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. So what were your first impressions of this album? Ooh, my first impressions. Uh, I kind of want to ask, do you want to give yours first since I picked this album? And it's my two, number two from 2017, or? Sure. That way, seems a little that way. I'm not trying to like lead you into it. Uh, well, <laughs> So this, for those of you who don't know, they are a melodic death metal band. And I had not heard them, despite this being their sixth album. The album opens with a track called Genesis that is an instrumental, and it's about a minute and 35 seconds long. When I heard it, I immediately wanted to turn it off and be like, fuck this album. Because it sounded like <laughs> your generic, like... Marine Corps commercial or a video game commercial or a summer blockbuster commercial and I was like, hell no, what is this bullshit? <laughs> so that was my first impression. Thankfully, it got better from there. Um, Reclaim the Sun kind of takes Genesis as a lead into it. Um, it's okay, but it's the third track, Masquerade, where it, it got really good and I actually started to enjoy the album. Well, I... For the longest time, I never considered these guys melodic death metal. Every time I heard it, until like uh, last week, I kind of just Googled it and just saw them like melodic death metal. I'm like, well, I guess that label kind of fits, but for me, they always felt more as a, I don't want to say watered down Demi Borgir, but they have a very Demi Borgir sound to them. That's, that's what melodic death metal is, I guess. I don't know, I always consider them more. Black metal y. Their earlier albums, especially more black metal y, but Demi Bogear, but kind of uh, more um, symphonic black. Well, I don't know talking about Demi Bogear, but um, them, more Principium Ash. Because the other melodic death metal bands that I think of are like Children of Bottom and stuff like that. And this sounded similar enough to that that I can see why it is considered that. Yeah, and once I saw that, I'm like, yeah, the shoe kind of fits. Like it kind of fit more into it. It kind of made me rethink it. Like, okay. This is how I normally feel about melodic death metal. I guess this one is just for me a superbly good death metal album or melodic death metal album because of I think part of it is the more orchestral elements add into it, the keyboard and like I'm not gonna 
sugarcoat anything, but like the intro to the Ghost and the Apprentice of Death, I think are two of my favorite parts in this whole album. Mm. And the fact of like the piano playing beginning of the Ghost, I hear that it's stuck in my head for at least a couple hours, and then I just get so into the the pipes involved in Apprentice of Death, and you kind of just feel like the dun 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 dun. Like build up and the to the crescendo that it is when it kicks in and the guitars and the drums and stuff. So I think part of it for me is the I think they kind of introduce symphonic elements more freely and mix it in with their sound a little bit better than you typically see with most melodic death metal bands. And I think that's probably what really drew me into these this album the first go around because this is one of those albums I found through Chuck Leosh and Godless on their short-lived metal podcast. And it was Chuck's number one album of the year. I don't think Godless ranked it. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. Truly, it's not that bad. And it kind of just hooked me. Um, I don't know that it hooked me. I did enjoy it, like I said, after I got past that beginning. I... And I'm probably being somewhat unfair since I haven't listened to the rest of their albums. But man, this, in some ways, let me preface this by saying I thought the production on this album was really, really good. I was very impressed by the production. It sounded great. Um, it's just that over-commercialized almost, I mean, literally, you could have laid that on a billion commercials that you see on TV and I, it would have fit uh, of that first track. Just really put me off, man. I just did not like that at all. So the other places where they would kind of play with those symphonic elements kind of reminded me of that. So I just didn't care for it. And it's, and it's very funny because it was very big and bombastic, almost in a power metal kind of way. And if this had been a power metal album, I would have thought it was cheesy. But <laughs> it being power metal, I would have been like, well, that's just power metal. Yeah, you know power metal. You kind of need to be cheesy to be power metal. Like it's hand in hand, and the cheesier I think, the better the power metal is sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that, like I said, the first playthrough, I was just like, no, I don't. I mean, even when you know, Masquerade, I was like, towards the end of it, I was like, well, this song is actually pretty rocking, and I enjoy it. Where the album really hit me though was in the middle tracks. So like tracks six, seven, and eight. The guest vocalist on Death is the Beginning, who goes by the name of Christina Maria. Fucking hell, she has a great voice, and I really like that, and that added so much to that song. Yeah, I will I will definitely agree with that, and I didn't realize it until a couple days ago. Like, I was actually looking at the lyrics to this, reading it as I was listening to it, and then I read the lyrics to Behind the Death's Beginning. I'm like, fuck, this is, a, this is not a very happy song, because he's dealing with a... It reads like the loss of his child early on, like short through his born kind of deal. And I'm like, fuck me. This thing hit me in the feels. Yeah, no, it's a really good song. <laughs> For me, my enjoyment of this album is kind of like the perfect, oh, not Venn diagram. That's not what I'm trying to think of. It's the bell graph. At the beginning, not mm-hmm. very much. In the middle, I really enjoy it. And then as it closes to the end, it's also my enjoyment kind of tapers off again. Hmm. I will I will agree that I think the end the beginning of it like the Genesis I think they do do a good job of moving from Genesis into record this song but I think this album is one of those that definitely 
in a sense, you know, kind of crescendos into a in through as it goes. And I think you can kind of look at it like a wrestling match, like you have the little warm up Genesis match, a decent opening match on a on a card. Then you have a couple matches in between. Then you have a couple like back to back great solid match of night candidates to like in the middle of it to make the crowd pop. And then you kind of come down a little bit and then you end with the main event in Apprentice of Death. Sure. And that, that's kind of how it is for me is you kind of have it starts off good pop in the middle, kind of tapers down, but doesn't bottom out like some things happen and cool everything off and it keeps you going. And then it just hits the high notes on the way out. Uh, let me say about your analysis of this as a wrestling metaphor, I can tell you're a WWE fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. No, no New Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> where it's all 12 and you just die. Uh, well, I mean, you know, they construct their cards differently and that every match on the card gets progressively better, which I kind of like. But even if you want to go to a, a different way of constructing this as a wrestling metaphor, the first match of the night is a very important match. Now, maybe not the first one for the live crowd because there are dark matches and stuff like that. But the first one, when you go on pay-per-view, you really want to get the crowd engaged. And if, if you look at it as building a wrestling card in that as a metaphor for an album in this way, it did the exact opposite. And then you also want your main event to be very good. And you either the, the three most important matches on a wrestling card, in my opinion, are the opening match, the match right before intermission, and then the, the main event. This nailed the one right before intermission. If we're going to consider the middle of the album intermission. Awesome. Yeah. The main event was pretty good, but man, that opening match, terrible, terrible. It was kind of like we LC started off the, because uh... <laughs> I'm pretty sure you you fucking hated that thing, but it has some memorable moments, and the more casual people enjoyed it. Yeah, sure. So I think that's a so Genesis and Reclaim the Summer we are we LC. <laughs> the the curmudgeon of a indie guy you are. Yeah, I'm, I, dude, I am. I'm a curmudgeon. I like what I like, <laughs> and I dislike just about everything else. <laughs> so oh, is there anything i mean I've, I've come out and said what i liked and what i didn't like like uh again i thought everybody on the album did a really good job uh musically they are proficient this is their sixth album so they know what they're doing uh, the production values are good the recordings sound real good i think it's something that we kind of overlook it's just how how professional this sounds this album is a, a very well-recorded and produced album. I know that that's like the fourth time I've said that in this review, but I, it really did strike me. Yeah, I will agree with you on that. And these guys sound, I don't want to say they sounded like they spent hours upon hours of time in a studio recording this, you know, years maybe even. Like it wasn't Resurrection where everything was made perfectly and everything had its place because they released an album before this in November 1914. So they had little less than two years, little more than two years from that album to this album in between releases. And so even last year, probably time even in the studio. But these guys seemed that they'd probably been working on this for a good bit. And uh, the studio help they had easily identified and shared their view of what they are on the album B. And so it kind of sounded, seems more like everything turned into like a well-oiled machine and then how they produced it and everybody was on the same page and coming up with the sound as to opposing, you know, where you have a producer who's like, no, 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 we should go this route with it. And, you know, kind of where you have sometimes where the studio and the artist have kind of different views on how this album should sound and how it should come across. 
Like, I don't feel like they had Bob Rock standing and like, no, you were going to do the baseline. It's better this time, though. I mean, no, I don't I don't think so either. I really do think, and I don't know. Well, actually, I guess I can tell you. Hold on. I was going to say, I don't know who the producer on this album was. Oh, well, duh. It was the, the dude who's in the band, Billy O'Janin. So, yeah. And Andy Gillian was another producer. So, no wonder that they, they produced it themselves. So. Oh. So they knew exactly what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it, and they want nobody to kind of deviate from that. Yeah, so. And, you know, I can't really blame them for that. At least they didn't do the Lars and James aspect of it. And like, oh, we play these <laughs> instruments. Max, everything else muted. Yeah. I'd say they did a good job on their own for doing it. And I, if they can maintain that, and if it didn't put too much pressure on them, maybe continue to do so for the rest of their albums, or if that's something they do anyways. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, was there anything on this album that you didn't like? Other than I, like I feel like the actual tracks, "Reclaim the Sun," "Masquerade in the Dark," and "Torment in the Colors," "Cosmos." Like I don't really think like I'm trying to deconstruct it here in my head about how I want to say this, because sure. it seems like for me, definitely the high points of this album is "The Death Is Beginning," "The Ghost," and "Apprentice of Death." Like those are the three best songs on here that I enjoyed the most. That hearing one of any part of it gets it stuck in my head for the foreseeable short-time future. Okay. And I feel like kind of like diametrically looking at those three songs and seeing the others around it, that for me, when I listen to the album, and I've given it, this is probably 10th, 11th playthrough, just a number like, oh, I've heard it this many times back to in a row, like this many times kind of deal. Like, every time I listen to it, I'm excited to get to one of those three tracks. The While the other songs are good, I feel like they are more speed bumps in my anticipation mm. the getting to those tracks. Does that make sense? Yeah. There and are I think three, uh, There are three songs you like, the rest are filler. That's essentially what you're saying. No, because I enjoy them, but I don't enjoy them as much. Like... I give the other songs a solid B, and those three songs A pluses. Okay. And so it's not quite like I'd be happy to hear any of them live. I know the rest of these songs really well. It's just not quite to a degree like the issue at like where I was with typo negative, where I thought everything like oh is this blood and fire? Is blood and fire next? Is blood and fire next? Like it's not quite that, but it is that those three out songs are so superbly done. That since they are more towards the middle and the back end of the album, you don't have that where you have like we did with Starbreaker to where it kicks off at 11 and kind of trickles off. And instead getting your, I guess, your jollies in the beginning, you're having to wait to the very end for the payoff. Maybe I guess that's that's if there was a downside for me, it would be that is like all the songs are good, but I wish they were better. So I didn't have to feel like I was waiting to get to the better songs. Okay, so I guess that's a good point for us to transition to the songs, which we've kind of already talked about, so I won't belabor the point very much and just say that I, I basically agree with you on what the, the best tracks on the album are. I, uh, like I said, other than that instrumental opener, and the, the second instrumental on the album, not my favorite thing either, but it was way superior to Genesis. Yeah. Um, I... I don't think that they are bad. Like, none of them stuck out to me. It's like, ugh, crappy song or anything. Or, or, and I didn't react to them as 
with as much visceral hatred as I did for Genesis. But I, I don't, for me, they are not um, something that would make a Morris Principium-est playlist, whereas the other three songs we talked about would. So it might be something like, man, I really haven't heard that song in a while. And eventually I might go back to it. It's not something like when I think of this band that I'm going to be like, man, I really want to listen to. Um, I'm not going to be like, oh, I haven't listened to The Colors of the Cosmos in a while. Time to put it on. Whereas I think Death is the Beginning. I would say that. Yeah, I can definitely see it. And in from my experience going in it, like Death is the Beginning of the Ghost and Apprentice of Death are the three I continually go back to. Yeah. And I think that's in agreement with how you feel about that. And, you know, you're talking about the instrumentation and the artist. Don't think you have this desyncopation issue like it seems like we, there was, like for you at least, for Wheel. And it's definitely mm-hmm. not noticeable here. Like these all guys are definitely within the same page with their writing and like what they're trying to do. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just thought of something else that kind of like, because I think the singer, like his, um, you know, because he has the two kind of growls the higher pitch and then the deeper, more guttural sound. And I feel like his higher pitch one is really solid and does really well. But sometimes when he does his guttural one, death is in the beginning. Like it seems almost out of place for what that song is portraying. And I feel like because especially with the guest vocalist on that track, you already have a good enough white and black kind of her vocals and his normal vocals kind of to play off each other that you don't really need that extra guttural sound to be involved with. Um, I do not agree with that. Hmm. Let's see your point. I have to give the guy credit, really a lot of credit, because doing two distinct um, fry vocals like that is not everybody can do that. So I was impressed that he could pull it off for one thing. And I thought it did add a very interesting aspect to that perhaps they could have brought in another guest vocalist to do it but if he has that talent i also would want to show it off as a former vocalist myself so i uh, he's not going to get a knock from me for doing that yeah i mean i can agree with you i was just thinking more terms of songs like the sound if he because you already have the contrasting between him and the female that maybe the good role may not have been necessary like in depth is beginning now the other songs i think he does it a couple others i can't think of them off the top of my head they worked a little bit better but always the one with death is beginning is where i'm like it's kind of like okay it's a little bit different i don't know if he's the main writer behind this if he's the main writer behind this one or for somebody else in the band but i Maybe a more anguished scream kind of in that part might have done better since this is talking about a very serious issue of the loss of the child that has affected them. And is why they're writing this is like a cathartic reason of getting it out there. He did write the lyrics on that album or I mean okay. on that song. So I and I'm like he does uh, uh, one of the times he's doing this memory haunts me. He does that every day. The memory haunts me. You lying there on a bed in twos all life was like he does do like a more anguish kind of fry scream with that, that I do think suits really well for that track, because this is a very anguish moment, a very upsetting and personal moment that he's putting out there. Sure. But I could be just like, "Eh, I'm looking for something that's not there. Could be that, too. 
Maybe. I mean, I think you are um, criticizing the song for what it's what you want it to be and not what it is, uh, which I do. So, I mean, that's fair. I, I just um, I like that song. Like I said, I think it's the best song on the album. So and I can understand being nitpicky um, if that really took you out of it that much. But that didn't happen for me. Yeah, I think to a certain degree, everybody does do that. What you want the song to be, do the be the album producer in their head. And like, I would have put this here, maybe slight little rearrangements, but you enjoy the song. You're like, okay, I can see where this little sound would help here, kind of deal. Or maybe I'm just weird and do that sometimes. I mean, I do it sometimes. I don't know that I do it all the time. But yeah, I mean, I obviously have opinions, or else we wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> And I think they're worthy opinions and enjoy and deserve to be voiced because you are a good counterbalance to my young over-eagerness sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we can call you young anymore, Tracy. I mean, in comparison to me, yes, but... Uh, <laughs> you're right. I'm getting old. You're what, 35 now? 36? I'll, you're giving me like five extra years. I'm 31. Oh, oh okay. Well, then never mind. You're, you're younger than I thought you were. <laughs> I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm the a- you listen to, you listen to a boomer. We're ruining the world. I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, the boomers are kind of ruining the world, but that's okay. <laughs> that's a different podcast and different conversation. <laughs> yeah, man. So I guess time to rate this beach. Alrighty, I'll I'll lead off. I'm going to give it a solid A. Thought I you feel... might, since it was your number three album of that year. Number two. Oh, number two? I thought it was number three, but wow, okay. Junius was Junius was number three. For 2017, I, okay. Yeah, I give it, and Junius in this one a lot, kind of flip-flop, just like internal like monologue, like, oh, kind of flip-flop. The number one for that year, it's never going to change unless something major happens. Sure. But yeah, I give it an A. It's a solid album. And like we talked about, if more of this album had, I could say, I don't want to say consistency, if more than just three songs really stuck out as like fucking phenomenal, then I think we'd be, it would be probably worthy of an A plus, but like uh, a couple podcasts go, or maybe we're just talking about in a discussion, you know, whenever you used to be, when you used to devour, devour music, if you guys found an album that was, had three solid songs on it, you guys considered it a good album because it had three songs on it. Yeah. Or three good songs and didn't, that distract you about it. So Yep. So, uh, how would you rank it? I'm giving it a C plus, and the reason I'm giving it a C plus is because even though there are three songs on it that I think are really, really good, and I liked a whole lot, and most of the rest of it was solid, just my hatred of Genesis drags it down. Oh man! Yeah, you know dude, I... I. Damn. Every time, and you know. Spoiler alert, when we do these, we give ourselves about a week to listen to them, sometimes a little bit longer, depending on our schedules. Um, and, you know, we do have these plotted out so you can listen to them ahead. But like the week before is when I really start to key into these albums. So over the last week, I've listened to this album about once a day, twice some days. And every time Genesis came on, I had to resist just turning the album off, despite the fact that other than the first listen, I knew that the rest of the album had stuff on it that I really liked. Man, it was just uh, I can't, uh, dude. Wow, you don't even, I, you do not even understand that. You know, like uh, I was looking at, it, I'm like, you know, this is kind of like looking back at what we picked. This is very much a very, this is different than the rest of the albums I picked. I yeah. think like it's one of its kind so far. Like this one, 
I feel like this one and Traveler are the only two, like, this is metal that we can stamp, per our Junior's conversation, that we can stamp fully on metal on it. So, <laughs> so for part of it, uh, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm safe with this one. Ben might enjoy it because it is, I do know you love Children of Autumn and some stuff of Arch Enemy, and I do know you enjoy this more this sound and so i was like okay here we go i think get one i just didn't realize that your hatred for the opening track would be so vitriolic <laughs> neither did i because <laughs> uh, you know if we if you took that track off i was if i completely disqualified it and go i'm just going to ignore that track and pretend that it's not on the album and just grade the rest of the album it would be somewhere between a b and a b plus I don't think it's an A because it, even though it does have three really good tracks on it, they're not so great that it makes up for the shortcomings of the other tracks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I get you. Um, and, and not that there's a lot of shortcomings of the other tracks. The, the faults of the other tracks, in my opinion, is that they are just solid, not phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Given that, that track is on the album. I can't ignore it completely. I mean... Going forward, I can just always start the, my listening to the album, which honestly, I've, I probably won't listen to this album as an entire album again. I'm probably just going to pull the tracks I like off of it and put them on a playlist. So that's another consideration. This is not an album that I will listen to as an album. A, because it has that opening track, which I fucking hate. And B, because the rest of the songs, there's only like three that I really, really enjoyed a whole lot mm-hmm. and would want to listen to. So for that reason, I have to dock it some for that first track which is interesting if they would have done genesis and reclaim the sum as genesis the intro to that song would you have been more fine with that or would you have still been like fuck this that's it's an interesting question if they had scaled it back to maybe 30 seconds instead of a minute 35 or even better 20 seconds or something i probably wouldn't have because there are other songs on other albums that almost or other instrumental openings that could almost be considered as commercial as that and really that's that's what got me it felt like i was i was expecting movie voice guy to come on and talk about a blockbuster or to try and sell me a ford f-150 or ask me to join the (laughs) marines or something i was just like this is yeah like i'm i'm going back and replaying oh i guess you can say the call of duty that really started the whole xbox gamer call of duty modern warfare call of duty 4 modern warfare that first one that released that Modern Warfare series and put it back and replay it. And I can yeah. definitely see Genesis being as played during a cutscene during that. Oh, definitely, as, yeah. And that don't bother me. Like, I kind of do enjoy it. And I think part of it, I'm going to project onto them about this track, is in a sense, is like the album is called Embers of a Dying World. Uh-huh. And so, to a sense, I feel like they're kind of building up to this blockbuster, like, movie in their head. And then, like, at times, you know, like, The Embers of Dying World, they kind of play back into that. Like, A Princess of Death, like, the first couple of uh, verses of that, I immediately think of global warming and the, the world burning down and stuff, you know, and then... Sure. And so, I think part of it is they may be playing, trying to play more into the imagination of the the person listening and building up to this epic studio extravaganza 
2012 Ice Age, the end of the world is coming kind of idea as opposed to, you know, of just like, and here we go and kicking it off. But I don't, now I'm just projecting at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. Well, I think you also have like a love and understanding of soundtrack music in a way that I don't. I like soundtracks, but I, I find it clever for a soundtrack to to take a piece of music and make it and have it fit the scene as opposed to writing a piece of music that fits the scene, especially something as over the top and wannabe operatic or um, symphonic as this was. I think it's kind of like symphonic music or what you're talking about, soundtrack music, mm-hmm. especially for like movies and video games is a lot of time when I was writing like papers for classes and stuff, I couldn't really listen to my music because I get distracted. Right? I can't listen to something I know and work right. on like papers or something because I just think about the music I listen to and just avoid doing any work. So a lot of times I would put soundtracks from, like I have a whole orchestral playlist from like soundtracks of movies I know, of the orchestra parts, and then video games and stuff like that where it's like, familiar enough for me to not hate it but enjoyable enough for me to for not to fully pull me away from what i was working and in fact one time when i went to berlin pizza you know he has you do that uh journal for your study abroad programs yeah i actually sent him when i did mine and typed that sent to him i sent him links to like songs and like for particular things we did a day or like a soundtrack of like this song kind of stuck with me throughout the day. And this is what this day made me think of as I did it. And so like, I was able to kind of like put it together and kind of like, here's how this trip and like a musical format played across for me. Right. Cool. And so I feel, uh, and so that might be part of it is cause I do enjoy listening to those. Maybe not. I haven't listened to it so much now because I'm not going to lie. The, uh, the, uh, what I've, lovingly dove the pile of music for my Twitter feed has uh, kind of taken over my life in music listening. So <laughs> I'd imagine so. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of that. So, um, yeah, no, totally. And, and I understand that. And I have a lot of connections to music too. It's just usually not instrumental music. Um, it is usually, like I said, I, I connect with lyrics. I know some people connect more with music. And I like orchestral music. I like classical music. There was just something about this one, and it's totally me projecting. I doubt that the band was doing this, that it felt like that was Capitalism 101, that that was written to get into a commercial or a video game or something. And, man, that just, like I said, it struck me wrong. With that said, Again, that is just me projecting, despite the fact that I gave this a C plus and some of the stuff that I, if you've been following us, a lot of the stuff that I've given sees, you know, I've been like, uh, I'm not really that interested in hearing anything else the band does. I do plan on going back and listening to more and more Pennsylvania esque because I do like this genre of music and I did like the rest of the album enough that I want to hear more of them. This was my first introduction to them. Maybe if I'd been listening to them for years. I would have a different reaction to that because I would know more about them. But as the first introduction to this band, that just was a sour note. Yeah, I will agree with you. Or 
I agree. And I need to go check out, and that's been something I'm meaning to do. And I've got them on, like, a little list of stuff that to kind of fast-track what I'm going to listen to on them. But mm-hmm. that list in itself is also kind of grown large because that fast-track list is now 482 hours at the time of this recording. <laughs> <laughs> and it's every band that I've enjoyed that I listened to throughout this. I'm like, all right, let's move these albums to here, everything else they've done. And so it's got a lot of these older release stuff that I have never heard of that I'm like, that I might have missed or need to go back and listen to. And now I'm trying to work on that. Well, shit, Tracy, you make it sound like we're going to have to start recording two episodes a week just so you can get through some of those lists. You know, that'd be fine and dandy if I didn't have to edit two episodes a week. That's that's the time <laughs> consumer there. <laughs> and this is more fun than editing by a long shot. For sure, for sure. <sighs> but, uh... I mean, I, can, I know how to edit, too. Uh, I, I know how to use uh, Audacity, so... If you want to start doing one episode a week by each of us, we could. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that uh, we should talk about off-air. I, I, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> <sighs> well, do you do you have anything else you'd like to add to this conversation? Add to this episode, or I think we kind of hit everything. No, I think we hit anything. I think that this um, – it's kind of odd to me that we're talking about a band that's been around for, since 2000 as as if they were a new band. But it, this is. This is the first time that I listen to them. So I am intrigued, I guess, is how we'll close this. I am intrigued by this band because the things that, for the most part – out of the, what are there, 11 tracks on the album, 10 of them, I, three of them I thought were really good, seven of them I thought were solid, and one of them I absolutely hated. Um, so I am definitely intrigued to hear more of their stuff, and I do plan on going back and doing some dives. Okay, I will hopefully join you in the diving into the material but we'll see the uh how the gods smile upon me in my uh, selection <laughs> exactly all right man so what are we doing next time uh next time for next week we are doing crowbar time heals nothing oh, this is a uh yes. this is my pick and this is a throwback to like 1994, I think. Maybe 93. Oh, I just pulled it up. 95. 95, okay. So I went and the direction. I've only had one experience with Crowbar, and that's the Serpent Only Lies. So, I mean, this is pretty much a new experience for me as well. This and is uh, my Southern Metal sweet spot. So, you can expect an inflated grade. Inflated I deserve grade. one, but an so, inflated um, one. To quote from the... Album of the year, via uh, what I we just or we put just out. Just went up today as we are recording this. This is the one we put out. I, I said at one point in time, I audio filleted uh, Cello <laughs> Darling. Is that going to be a, another situation like that? Maybe. Uh, actually, it's been so long since I've heard this, my musical taste might have changed a whole lot. But I do like Kirk Woodstein and, and the group, so uh, it should be solid. And I actually have a story of having seen them live in Carbondale, Illinois. So, or not even Carbondale. It was it was in fucking Metropolis, Illinois. So, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, just looking at the pictures of uh, Kirk Winstein or Winstein, uh-huh. 
Uh, ben? No, he could be my twin, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are y'all related? Is not that, that I know, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Let me just say, he's not as big in person as he appears. Um, go watch the All I Had I Gave video uh, in preparation. That song's not on this album, I don't believe. I think it's on the one before or after. I don't remember. But I saw that, and I thought, that is a big motherfucker. And then I saw him live. And not quite as big of a motherfucker as I thought. <laughs> or maybe... I'm just a bigger motherfucker is probably the way I should say that. Uh, quite possibly. All right. I don't really have anything else to say. Do you? No, I think we've covered everything and did a pretty good job. So I think Sweet. we're done good. All right. Well, then I'll sign us off uh, for Tracy Newport. I am Benjamin Lindsay. You can find us on Twitter at Cloaca Metal or at been dangerously and thank you for listening to another episode of Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Ah!